Hey everybody, this is Pastor Cor Chavis. Thank you so much for checking us out today at Truth Chapel's podcast. If this word has blessed your spirit or encouraged you, take a moment and leave us a quick review. Also, check us out at truth-chapel.com or any of our social media outlets, Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. God bless, and I pray you enjoy. Turn in your Bibles with me very quickly to the book of Matthew, chapter 24. I'm going to go back to where we kind of stopped last week on our Be Not Troubled. Amen. Listen, uh, last week, how many uh, were uh, intrigued by the lesson and maybe opened up a little curiosity, you, and you went home and read some stuff. You was like, let me check this out. What you talking about, Willis? What you talking about? Um, and, 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 and so um, I want to go a little bit deeper tonight. You know, we'll open up. Um, I'm going to help you tonight. Um, and uh, we're going to get some understanding. Somebody said understanding. And that's what we need, understanding. My people perish for lack of what? Knowledge. This is knowledge you just needed to know. If you knew, you wouldn't perish. If you'd have known, you know. Uh, so just learning tonight. This is Bible study time. If, you, if this is your first time ever at Truth Chapel, on Wednesday nights we're really laid back unless the Lord says differently because we let him lead it, not us. Uh, unless the Lord says differently, most time on Wednesday nights we laid back. We're just we're studying the word of God. We, we, we're working on some Bible stuff. We're trying to learn. Amen. Um, let me start reading at. Let me start reading at verse nineteen. I'm gonna read. I'm gonna start from verse nineteen because I want to uh, clarify something here that was asked of me last week, and then I'll move forward. Verse nineteen. And warn to them that are with child, to them that give suck in those days. But pray ye that your flight not be in winter, neither on the Sabbath day. For then shall be great tribulation, such as we, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, nor ever shall be. And except those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved. For, but for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. Then if any man shall say unto you, Lo, here is Christ, or there, believe it not. For there shall arise false prophets, false Christ and false prophets, and shall show great signs and wonders insomuch that if it were possible, they, sh they shall deceive the very elect. Behold, I have told you before, wherefore, if they shall say unto you, behold, he is in the desert, don't go. Behold, he is in the secret chambers, believe it not. For as the lightning coming out of the east and shineth even unto the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For wheresoever the carcass is, there will the eagles be gathered together. And may God add his blessing to the reading of the word tonight. Uh, if you're just joining us tonight for the first time, maybe in person or maybe online, uh, last week I started a series entitled Be Not Afraid. And the reason I'm teaching tonight about some end-time revelation and some end-time um, prophecy, some end time concepts is because I do believe that um, what we are seeing happen in our world today um, is very connected to what we have read in the, in the word of God. And uh, it, it's an understanding of the end times and it's not really a, uh, a full deciphering of the end times. 
people have been uh, pondering this, deciphering this, and trying to explain end-time prophecy for over a hundred years. Um, not really much longer than that. Um, I know people say, you know, since the eons of time, but no, not really. It's really only been about 120 years that people have really been focusing on end-time revival or end-time uh, prophecy uh, because before there was the Reformation and before you have the entrance of the Apostolic Church, which was the Azusa Street Revival, going all the way back to Charles Parham in Kansas City, then that is really the birth of the apostolic movement. Uh, again, we have a lot of history before that, but that, that's the main history of where people began to seek after the Holy Ghost. They had read it in the scripture. They had, they had thought about it. They had uh, prayed about it. But really, people started to seek a more understanding. Most, before this, most of our world was just in a Protestant Christianity-type setting where um, you had your Methodists, you had your Baptists, you had your Episcopalian, you had your Presbyterian. Really, a lot of those are offshoots of the Catholic Church in some way, form or fashion. If you go back in history, you'll see that, that a lot of these factions came out of, you know, the Formation, then the Reformation, and then uh, the, the, the religious renaissance. And so you have a lot of these different groups coming out of that, the Methodists, the, the African American, uh, Methodist uh, Episcopalians, which is the AME Zion. Um, so we have all we have all of these different churches that exist, and out of those, here comes these people who say, you know what? We think that there's more. Yeah. There's got to be more. So you have uh, Charles Parham, and if you want to look that name up, you can look that up. Charles Parham and the Topeka, Kansas revival, uh, where there was a young, it was a group of them praying for the Holy Ghost, and a young lady received it. For the first time, she spoke in tongues. Well, when she spoke in tongues and began to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, it was like wildfire. Uh, people started receiving it everywhere. All the way to the Azusa Street Revival, where uh, many, many people, and out of the Azusa Street Revival, out of the Azusa Street Revival, that one location, a lot of your apostolic movement came out of there. The Assemblies of God came out of there. Now, the Pentecostal Church International came out of there. Um, the, your, your Kojic, Church of God in Christ, came out of there. The PAW, Pentecostal Apostolic of the World, they came out of there. Pentecostal Assemblies of the World. And so there's a lot more uh, that I could keep with the QJC, um, the ALJC. There's so, many, there's so many different organizations. Some people call them denominations. I call them organizations. They're, they're not denominations. They're organizations. Different organizations come out of that, uh, that revival. So from that, people started really focusing on end-time prophecy and when is the Lord coming back. And we started to hear this word. You know this word because we preach about it all the time. Uh, but we started to hear this word talked in Christian, uh, you know, circles. The, the, this word is rapture. Anybody ever heard the word rapture? Okay. Now, if you have, uh, how many of you have a smartphone that you're reading your Bible off of right now or maybe an, an app, okay? Would you do a word search for me on that? Just word search it and word search Rapture, R-A-P-T-U-R-E. Just word search rapture in your Bible. See how many times the word rapture is used in your Bible. And somebody tell me when you get that number. All right, zero. That's, that's the number we're going with, zero. Not mentioned. The word rapture is not in the Bible in any place, okay? Um, so uh, the rapture, the concept of rapture is a universally hailed by most Christians concept 
that at some point the Lord is going to blow the trumpet and call his church that is here on the earth out of the earth into heaven or to meet him in the clouds. Does anybody know where this comes from? It comes from 1 Thessalonians. This is Paul. If you want to follow me here for a little while, we're going to talk about what we consider the rapture like this, this concept that, that, that we have of this. 1 Thessalonians and uh, chapter 4 and verse, I'll start about verse 13. That'll give a little context. I always like starting before the scripture. If you're going to teach Bible or you're going to understand Bible, don't just read the scripture. Try to understand it. That's not contextual. Read about four or five scriptures before it, four or five scriptures after it, so you get a little context. So let's start by verse 13. He says, but I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not. He's talking about people that have died, uh, people that are asleep is what he would call it. He said, don't, don't weep for those that have passed away, even as others which have no hope. Don't, don't weep for those that are, that are asleep as if they... There are people that don't have hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. This is 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and I just read verse 14. Are you, are you following me? It says, For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. If we're alive and we remain to the coming of the Lord, we're not going to stop those that are asleep or that have passed away. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together. Now this word in the original text, in the original text, in the original language that Paul is speaking here, the word that he uses here is a word that means snatched up. This is where we get our concept of rapture, that we will be snatched away, okay? We that are alive and shall remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so, we, so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. So Paul is speaking about those that have went on to be with the Lord, loved ones that have passed, people who died in Christ. He's saying we should not weep for them and like, like as if they were people who had no hope. He said, but just know it. He said, I, I, I don't want you to be ignorant of this. I want you to understand what's going to happen is that those, those of us that are alive, if we are alive to the day of the coming of our Lord, to that great day, we're not going to prevent them that are dead. We're not going to get in their way. For the Lord's going to come down with the sound of the archangel and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ, they're going to rise first. They're going to go up before we do. They're going to leave the ground before we do. They're going to go up. And then those of us that remain, we will be caught up after them. And we're going to meet them and him, the Lord, in the air. And then we will be with him forever. And then he says to them, I want you guys to comfort one another with this. Like, like, like help speak peace into people who have lost loved ones and struggle with this. Like speak peace into them with this. Like use this, use this, this, this prophetic word as a comforting tool. So for those that have lost loved ones in Christ, just, 
just, just use this for them and let them know, hey, look, we, we shall not all sleep. We'll be caught up to meet him in the air. And so this is where we they get the major concept of rapture in, from this verse. Now, there are other places in your Bible where this is referred to in different ways, but this is the most clear version of this concept. This is the most clear version of this concept. Now, what Paul does is in the very next chapter, he, con he continues this concept of an end-time moment, the return of the Lord. So when he gets finished talking in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, you got to understand that your Bible is broke down in chapters, but it was not written in chapters. Okay. When another chapter starts, it doesn't mean that the writer started another thought, okay? Your Bible is written in chapters, but it was, your Bible is, your Bible, you see it in chapters, but they wrote it in, in letters. This is a letter to the church in Thessalonica, to the Thessalonian people who are the church. Can I, can I help you with something here? There is almost no part of the New Testament Bible that was written to lost people. I'm going to say it again. There's almost no part of the New Testament Bible from Matthew all the way to Revelation that was written for lost people. Everything that you read was written to the church. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are the only three books in the New Testament that could be considered to be written as historical fact and written to, written to a general population of people, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. John clearly wrote his book 68 years after Jesus died back to the church as, as an understanding. Luke clearly wrote the book of Acts for the, mostly the church in Rome as a historical standing. Then everything else from there is people writing to the church. Peter writes to the church. John writes to the church. James writes to the church. Paul almost exclusively writes to the church. He writes to the church in Thessalonica. He writes to the church in Philippi. He writes to, the, he writes to Timothy. Yeah. All right, we get all these books. These are just letters. So Paul's writing a letter. He's saying, look, comfort, comfort one another. He's, he's, he's writing this to the church in Thessalonica. He's telling them, listen, don't, when people pass away, and, and, and people die in the Christ, like, like, like don't, don't mourn for them as if one that hath no hope. Mourn for them as if, you know, you lost a family member. But don't mourn for them like they have no hope, like you're never going to see them again because they just are asleep. And they're going to rise with Christ in that great, when the Lord comes. And then 1 Thessalonians 5, he carries over the same concept. He's not really carrying it over. He's just writing, okay? So he writes this, he says, but of the times and the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write to you. For yourselves know perfectly, this is 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. This is the same concept. He says, but of the times and seasons, but you don't, you don't need me to write unto you. For you know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a what? Thief in the night. You don't, you don't need for me to, to explain to you the, the, the seasons. Because you know perfectly that that day of the Lord... It's going to come like a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction come upon me, come upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness 
that the day should overtake you as a thief. Oh, hallelujah. You are children of the light. And the children of the day, we are not of the night, nor of the darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do. But let us watch and be sober. Like, like we, we, the coming of the Lord is going to be, and I'm, I'm about to show you how Paul, who, who wasn't here for this, what I'm going to read in a minute, Paul is, Paul is quoting things that Jesus is going to say. So Paul's saying, look, we, we know, we know we're not children of the darkness. We are not clueless. I don't even need to write to you about seasons. You know perfectly. We perfectly know that the day of the Lord is going to be like a thief in the night. We know. We're not children of the dark. We're children of the light. So we should watch and be sober. Is it so good? Watch this. I'm going to take you Old Testament real quick. Look, you're going to help me because this is my favorite topic. We'll be here all the time. Okay. Watch this. Gideon has a 30,000-man army. He says, tell them, all y'all that's afraid, go home. The, the ones that were fearful, they just bailed out. God bless. Don't tell me twice. They just bailed out. He said, okay. Gideon said, okay, I, this is a good number. He said, no, take them down to the creek. He said, tell them, tell them, tell them, tell them to, to drink from the river. He said, everybody that sticks their head in the river and gulps, they can't go. But the ones that pull it up with their hands and they watch as they drink. So, so he's saying, these are the ones, this small group, the very elect, is what the Bible will call them in the later passages of our New, New Testament scripture. The very elect will be the ones that will watch and be sober. While the, West, while the rest of the world sticks their head in the river to drink, there will be an elect few that Paul is talking to who, who will keep their eyes up but, but still live in the world. I'm still going to drink. I'm, I'm, I'm in the world. I'm, I'm just not of it. You know, like, like I'm here with you at the river drinking the same water you drink. I just drink differently than you drink. You, you're not paying attention at all. Listen, this is for people in the church. I'm not talking about people in the world right now. I'm talking about for people in the church, church folk. Who, who, who just come into church, head down, head in the sand, coming to church, being on time, looking good, looking the part, not a clue. Not a clue what's going on, just drinking, drinking, drinking. Coming down to the river of life, got your whole head in there. The Lord said, "Don't, please do not bring them with you. We need people that will watch and be so. Don't drink too much. If it can't fit in your hand, it's too much. Be sober. Watch this, verse 7. For they that sleep, sleep in the night. And they that be drunken are drunken in the night. Yeah, we're not children of the night. Because night people, that's, they sleep in the night and they drink in the night. But let us... Who are of the day, be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet, the hope 
of salvation. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us. Whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Whether I'm alive or dead, I'm going to live together with him. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also ye do. And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake and be at peace among yourselves. Yeah. And then, you see, Paul, Paul writes, in, Paul writes in, 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 in two concepts when he writes. And uh, if you've been here for a while, you've heard me say this, but I'd like to say it again as redundancy because Paul writes in orthodoxy and orthopraxy. Most of his writing is written in these two forms. Most, most of his letters begin in orthodoxy and they end in orthopraxy. What I'm trying to say there, and that, that may sound like Catholic words to you, but let me explain it to you. Uh, it's just hermeneutical words. It's, it's right believing, orthodoxy, right doctrine, right believing, right practice, orthopraxy, which is right behavior. So Paul, Paul's writing, this is how we believe. You know, I don't need to show you, we're children of the light. This is what we believe. Now this is how you act. Somebody say, this is how I should act in the end times. Warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient toward all men. See that no one render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. Rejoice forevermore. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks. You see, like Paul starts this letter by saying what we believe. He ends it by telling us how we should be acting. The church now in this, in 2022, with all the end time things happening around us, we see it. The rapture is probably around the corner in some way, form, or fashion. Whether it be 10 years, 25 years, or 50 years down the road, we, none of us in this room really have an idea. Most of us thought rapture was in the Bible until tonight. Right? So we're learning, we're understanding, we're getting to this point. But Paul's trying to get us to see this is what we believe. Now, this is how we act. For this is the will of God concerning you. Here's what we believe. We believe that, that even those that sleep shall rise. Those that be in Christ shall rise. So, so here's what you should do. You should watch and you should be sober. And here's how we act in the end time. We don't run and hide. We don't tear people down. We don't, we don't run around in fear. Right? Here's what we do. We, do we, we pray without ceasing. We give thanks in everything for this the will of God concerning you. What's verse, what's verse 19? Quench not the spirit. Listen, this is not the time for the church of the living God to start getting easy and just having seeker-friendly services so that no one feels weird. I'm not quenching the spirit. Right? Listen, he said, don't quench the spirit and despise not prophesying. What, what do we need at the end time? We need a church that don't judge each other, that we help those that are weak, that we come around the feeble-minded, and we, we, we don't render evil for evil. We, we, we rejoice all the time. We pray all the time. We give thanks for everything that's happening. 
in everything. Lord, I thank you for it. I don't like it, but I thank you for it. Somehow, some way, it's working for my good. We know that's the will of God. <coughs> he tells us, we should not be quenching the spirit. Listen, this, this building was full. Listen, I don't know if you know this, but we broke all of our records Sunday. We broke, we broke our Sunday school record by 20 or 30, and then we broke our, our, our uh, main service record by at least 30-something. We had 603 people here on Sunday. <laughs> Record's broken. Listen, and everybody that I know of who came on Sunday, and, it, you know, it really wasn't that necessarily a laid-back, easy-going service. Like, we had good church. I don't, I, I, I haven't heard of anybody say, you know what, I'm not coming back. These folks is crazy. Some people might have said, look, I don't really understand everything, but I love what I felt. You know why? Because the, this world right now is not looking for a church that's trying to push the spirit down. They, 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 they can get that anywhere. They can get that anywhere. But to come to a place where the spirit is allowed to move, people's lives are allowed to be touched by the, this is, we need to be an end-time church. We don't need to be quitting the spirit, and we, we don't need to despise. We need to let prophecy happen. The spirit happens. Yeah. That's, that's good preaching. But we're going to get tight here in a minute. He says, prove all things, verse 21. Prove all things. Prove all things. Prove all things. Don't let nothing get past TSA. We're going to prove all things. We just, this ain't going to be willy-nilly, willy-nilly church. Letting anybody do anything. Letting anybody say something. No, we're going to prove all things. And, we, and as we prove it, we're going to hold fast to that which is good. Right? As we're proving it, we're going to keep the good things. Right? And here's what else we're going to do. We're going to abstain from all appearance of evil. That's a good scripture right there. Somebody need to write that down. That's 1 Thessalonians 5 dot dot. That's a colon. Colon 22. Just write that down. And listen, he didn't say abstain from evil. He said abstain from the stuff that even looks like evil. From all appearance. Of evil. Don't, don't just stay away from the evil things. Uh, abstain from the very appearance of the evil. Listen, this is, this is funny, but it's true. When I was a small kid, I used to sneak to the store and buy the candy cigarettes. And here I come up in my house. And here come Wanda. Boy! What is your problem? It's candy, mom. She said, listen, don't you know that the devil will confuse you with his own? The very, if it looks bad, don't do it. Well, it's not bad, but did it look bad? We wasn't doing nothing bad. I know, but it just looked bad. All we was doing was riding together. I know, but it looked bad. It just looked evil. Abstain from all appearance of evil, and the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. 
And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that calleth you, who also will do it. He said, faithful is he that calleth you, who also will do it. That's a good scripture right there. Some of y'all need to write that down because you, you, you know that he's faithful, that he called you, but you're not sure if he's going to actually do what he called you to do. He said, no, faithful is he that calleth you, who also will do it. Whatever he called you to, he's going to do that. He's not a man that he should lie. Listen, we are, we are in the end time. We are standing on the edge of the end time. Uh, it, the world is about to come to an end. And I'm not up here trying to preach fear and all that kind of stuff. Because if you read this Bible through and through, you know there's a lot of things that need to happen. But, 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 but here's my fear. My fear is that God won't come while I'm alive. Here's my fear. My fear will come when my grandchildren are alive and my grandchildren will have no heritage to hold on to because I thought he wasn't coming in my time, so I backed off a little bit. And I, and I didn't pray, and I didn't rejoice, and I quenched the spirit, and I despised prophet. And I back, so when I backed off, what I did in moderation, my children did in excess. You see, you see what, what, what my parents did for me when I was a child was they pushed so hard for me to be in church that even when I tried to do bad, God wouldn't even let me be bad. Yeah. I'd get high and preach to my friends. I'd be like, y'all know there's only one God. I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm telling y'all there's only one God. I know y'all believe in three, but there's only one. Bet. Talk about it. Because I grew up Bible quizzing. And I grew up in the church. And so I stand before you today as someone who has a heritage. But will my grandchildren have it? Will I, will I back off some and say, well, you know what, we don't need to do all that in church. All that running around and 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 hook them a shy and all that stuff. We don't need to do all that. It's just silly. We're scaring people. People are scared. Listen, I, I haven't met anybody who's scared yet. Only person I ever met who was scared was a, was a lady in this church who came to me one day and she told me, she said, Pastor, I'm not getting the Holy Ghost. I said, Did someone say that you? That did someone try to force you to get it? Because she was just, matter of fact, I'm not getting the Holy Ghost. I'm not getting it. I said, okay. I said, um, why? why? Just out of curiosity, like, number one, why the animosity? And number two, like, why? She's kind of upset about it. She said, I'm just not getting it. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not doing it. I'm not speaking in no tongues. It's not happening. Oh, hey. I said, well, listen. I said, I, I, I hear you. And I'm, I'm, I, I said, has anybody, like, Force you because you know some folks are trying to karate chop you and give it to you. You'll get the Holy Ghost in self-defense. You'll be like, I got it, so I can go. Let me get out of here. All right. We try not to be that church. All right. Lord help us. If you see somebody, stop them. Say, Pastor said, don't do that. All right. All right. Don't 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 be chopping people. That's not. It's not this kind of show. And so I was afraid like something like that happened. I said, Listen, if something happened, you can tell me who did. I'll, I'll get on right now. She said, no. She said, I'm just scared. I said, okay. I said, can you, I said, just, 
If you don't mind, just could you tell me why? Just give me one, just like why. This, I'm not trying to, you know, I, I'm not even going to try to defend it. Just, just tell me why. She said, because with them tongues come them snakes. For a split second, for a split second, I was like, where? Back it up. Because <laughs> hey, I'm, going, I'm going with you, you know what I'm saying? Like, me and you both leaving, you know what I'm saying? But, but I, I knew that she had been reading the Bible, and Mark chapter 16 says, those that baptize shall be saved, those that believe not shall be damned, and these shall be the signs that follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up deadly serpents, and it shall not harm. They shall drink any deadly thing. It shall not harm them. And so I said, "Well, listen." I said, "I said I want you to know. I know. I I know what scripture you're, you're referring to, Mark 16. And there are some crazy people in the world today who took that verse a little too far. God bless them, but I'm not one of them. If anybody brings those snakes up in this church to see if the spirit is working or not, I'm I'm not going to be around to see if it's working or not. I'm never going to know." Because I'm leaving with you. Me and you leave it together. We can get in my car and we can go together. We're not being here. And so she kind of laughed and, and I, I said, listen, I said, this was, Jesus is talking to agriculture people who their whole life are in fields picking up, you know, weed and stuff. I said, he's talking to people. This is a problem for them that, that is common among them. I said, you know, I said, and then we see it later on in the, in the life of Paul when he's on the island and the, 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 the viper bites him and he shakes the viper off in the fire. And the people say, wow, how did that happen? It was a testimony for Paul to say, I got something that you need. And many of them were saved, baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost. It was an amazing testimony. I said, so we see it played out in the proper way. Paul didn't know the viper was in the sticks. He didn't go find the viper and say, hey, everybody, watch this. Watch this. This I I got something so good. Check it out. Oh, now it's not going to hurt me because I got the Holy Ghost. Because Paul probably would have been dead and the New Testament would have been a lot shorter. Because thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Even Jesus wouldn't throw himself down for the temple because he was like, no, this is not smart. Right? So <laughs> she, said, she said, look, she said, I said, look, I said, here's the deal. I said, if I believe what I believe and, and you believe the word of God, God wants you to have this. He wants you to have it so bad he died so you could have it. And it's not mine to give you. I don't have it in a vial in the back. I don't have it in a box. I can open up a, a ribbon and give it to you. I said, if, if you want it, then just ask the Lord for it. You, you'll receive it. It was, it was months later. Some of you, were, there's a few people in this room who were in that service. It was like an Easter Sunday. So I, I forget when it was. But there's a few of you in this room, you were in that service. It was in our first building, Diversified Drive. And I was in the back room visiting with the, with the guest. And someone said, hey, so-and-so wants to see you outside. And I said, give me a minute. I'm going to be. They said, no, they need to see you now. Said, oh, Lord, here we go. So I step out, and this, this, this lady is weeping and crying. And I said, oh, hey, what's wrong? Like, is everything okay? She said, I got it. <laughs> I, I, I thought, you got what? I mean, like, what did you get? Like, I, did, I, I didn't click to me at first. She was like, it's like something bad happened. She's like, I got it. And I said, what do you mean? She said, I got the Holy Ghost. She said, I was standing all by myself. She, I just lifted my hand and said, Lord, if it's for me, let me get him. And it came on me. She said, I spoke in tongues as the Holy Ghost came. Couldn't get it off me. 
I said, see, if I believe the word is true, then that's what, that, that's, that's right. That's how it should happen. And if I try to quench that to make other people feel good, I'm, I'm, I'm quenching the spirit. We cannot quench the spirit in this time because God may not come back for me and you, but what if he comes back for our grandchildren? Will they have a rock to stand on in that evil day? Some of you are sitting here thinking, well, you know, maybe God's not coming back. No, I got time. No, you don't. You don't have time because your children might not have time and your grandchildren might not have time. They need to see a consistent walk with God so that they pick up a consistent walk with God, that they can teach their children a consistent walk with God. This is what we should be doing. Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. I'm closing in just, just a few moments. Who also will do it. Brethren, pray for us. Greet all brethren with a holy kiss. I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be read unto all holy brethren. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. This is how he ends 1 Thessalonians in chapter 5. He ends it by saying to them, read this to all the holy brethren. Let them know. You see, Paul may not have even realized that God wasn't coming back for 2,000 years from this moment. But Paul left the legacy that we still preach about today. We are more prepared now than we've ever been before because of what he left. What are we leaving? Do your kids even know what revelation is? Does your future generation even understand the, the, the Antichrist and the mark of the beast and all of that that may happen, that will happen? I mean, the only other time in the New Testament, and um, the only other time in the New Testament where, where Jesus speaks of this end time, he will speak of it to the Pharisees. And the, the, the Bible says in Luke 17, and I, I'm not going to read it all tonight because I need to close. In Luke 17, the Bible would tell us that the Pharisees push him. They, they, they box him in to, 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 hey, tell us what, what the end times look like. Tell us when the kingdom of God will come. And, and, and he says to them, he said, the kingdom of God cometh not by observation. You can't, you can't watch it come in. You're not gonna, you're not, it's going to be here. It's going to be on you. That's why you got to get ready now. You got to watch and be sober. You got to watch and be sober because the kingdom of God is not coming in a gradual tick-tock kind of way where we can see it. Oh, it's coming, y'all. It's coming. We got this much time. That's not the biblical reference of the end time. Here's what Jesus would tell them in chapter 17 of Luke. You can read this for yourself. He will say, when the Son of Man cometh, it'll be like the days of Noah. He said, he said, you remember the days of Noah. You remember that they were eating, they were drinking. They were right in the middle of the, they didn't even know the flood was coming until the flood was on them. The only one who knew the flood was coming was the guy watching and working. The only guy who knew was coming. And him and his family were the only ones who were able to get on the ship, the boat, the ark. He said, that's how it's going to be. That's how it's going to be in the, like it was in the days of Noah. 
everybody will just be having a great time. It'll feel like this is the best time of our life. But what you don't see is the rain coming. What you don't see is this because it's not raining here doesn't mean it's not raining over there. This is what Jesus speaks about when he says the coming of the Son of Man will be like a lightning flash in one place, but you see the light in another place. I'm over here, but it'll light up over here. This is what happened in the days of Noah. These people didn't even know that it was a flood was coming until the flood was there. It caught them off guard. This world will be caught off guard. The church cannot be caught off guard. He said, and he said, but, you know, it'll be like the days of Noah. He said, but it'll also be like the days of Lot. Where they, watch what he says about Lot. He says, they ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they builded. They thought it was going to last forever. Bought, sold, planted, building. I mean, they were... They, they were thinking long term. We're buying, we're selling, we're planting because we think that harvest is coming at another time and, and, and we're building for the future. They, their minds were like, man, this is it. Sodom and Gomorrah is it. He said, but the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. And then in verse 32 of, of, of 17, he says, just, just as a kicker, he says, remember Lot's wife? <laughs> Who got out but kept looking back? <laughs> she got out. She was out, free from the fire, free from the brimstone, but something back there called her. And when she looked back, she was stuck in between destruction and freedom. Stuck in between. Forever. Just, just, just in between. You're, you're, you're five steps away from a free freedom. So, as we talk about end time revival, let's, let's think about, or, you know, an end time prophecy. Let's think about the days of Noah. That, that, that people didn't even know. You can walk out. You can walk around in your job tomorrow and just see people who have no clue. They ain't praying. They're not rejoicing. They're not thankful. They're not in Christ. They, they suppress the spirit. They laugh at prophecy. They have no concept of it. None. They are eating, drinking, planning, marrying, giving in marriage. They're buying, they're selling. They're planning, they're building. They're working on that big old fat 401k, which you should have, but you should know I probably might not ever get to use it and be okay with it. Trust me, if you leave it here, you're going to get something better over there. Just trust me. Trust me on that. Yeah. I'm not telling everybody to sell everything you have, get rid of everything you got, and you know, live in a bunker out back. Make sure you got beans and water. No, that's not what the church should be doing right now. The church should be having church. 
You know what he said? He said more. He said, as you see the day approaching, he said, you should actually be getting together more. God help us. Are we getting together enough? Or are we all so busy? Another church service just seems like such a headache. I don't know. I don't, that was a response, but I don't know how, what, little mixed emotions up in there. That was a Neapolitan response. The church in the end time, in the last days, needs to be ready to just keep on going. Praying, rejoicing, fasting, encouraging. The spirit should be free to move at any point. Because we don't know when the last Sunday is going to be. We, we, we don't know when the last church service is going to be. We should declare the word. We should tell people, the time, time's drawing nigh. Get on the boat. Get on. If you're not on it, get on it. And if you're standing on the outskirts, listen, you don't want, you don't, the, one of the worst things that can happen to you is you see the door close. That you be halfway in, halfway out. This is what Jesus said. He said, he said, I wish you was hot or cold. But because you lukewarm, I spew you out of my mouth. Remember those days. That's what it's going to be like when I come back. Lord, help us. Would you stand with me? And would you lift your voice? And would you ask the Lord to help you tonight? Lord, help me watch and be sober. I want to watch and be sober. I don't, I, I don't know all this stuff. There, there's a bunch of stuff in this Bible that I don't understand. You can read the book of Revelations and it is twists and turns. And man, it's up for interpretation and prophecy. Here's what I know. The Lord is coming back. That's what I do know. And he's coming back for a church that's ready to meet him. So you know what? I want to be in the church. I want to say, Lord, get me right. Get me ready. Touch my mind. Touch my spirit. Touch my soul. Lord, help me be a beacon. If you don't come in my lifetime, let my lifetime be a light to the next lifetime. If you don't come in my generation, let my generation be a beacon for the next generation. Now, at, least, at least help me prepare the way of the Lord for the next thing that's coming. In Jesus' name. Would you lift your voice one more time? Lord, I thank you for your word. I pray this word was an encouragement to you today. Thank you again for tuning in to Truth Chapel's podcast. If you have not yet, please take a moment and leave us a quick review. God bless and have a great rest of your day.